Welcome to the A Vibrant Vision podcast. This podcast will explore the book of Vibrant Vision, written by Richard Seaman, the chairman of Seaman Corporation. Seaman Corporation is a worldwide company known for industrial fabrics. This podcast will be an asset on the way to understanding all the book has to offer, and you will get to hear from Richard and the supporting players that have made Seaman Corp what it is today. Seaman Corporation's success can be traced to many things, but being focused on their customers and the quality they demand has been paramount to many of the successes you can see today. After some failures, some successes, and mobilizing the Seaman Associates to help lay the groundwork for better customer care, Seaman Corporation has been able to achieve fantastic results and keep many people happy along the way. Join us as we talk about what true customer-focused quality looks like, and maybe you'll be inspired by the stories you hear today. I am your host for this episode, Crystal Ribble. Thanks for joining me. Former UCLA basketball head coach John Wooden once said, failure isn't fatal, but failure to change might be. No one understood this better than Richard Seaman's parents, Norm and Irene Seaman. Some of their failures early in the company would pave the way for making sure they were taking care of their customers at all cost. And this at all cost phrase was not just a saying. Norm and Irene would take hits financially to be sure their products were perfect for the customers they served, which would mean being willing to change to meet the customer's needs. This dedication would be a cornerstone in building the company. I think the foundation block for our company around quality actually started with my mother and father when they started the business, particularly when they started doing the coding operation. My father uh, had a jury-rigged um, coding line where he thought he could put the vinyl compounds he had uh, mixed together, coat them on the emerging nylon fabrics and make a product that would replace a canvas truck tarp. He was successful at finding a customer uh, in, in his area that was willing to buy the fabric and fabricate it into truck tarps. And so the first year he sold this customer 16,000 yards of fabric problem was that uh, the fabric failed within about a year's time when it was out in production or out in actual use. My dad evaluated what the problem was and he realized that he forgot to put a UV inhibitor into the compound so the ultraviolet light was damaging the product and it caused it to fail. But he knew he had to support customer quality and he basically recoded the entire 16,000 yards, one year's production and replaced it for that customer at no charge. So that, as I say, is the foundation block of quality and customer focus in, in our company. Merely watching his father face a challenge in production was not enough. Richard had to go through his own trying situation to fully bring to light the importance customer-focused quality should have within the company. Many years later, when I graduated from college and my first full-time responsibility at the company was plant manager and I was responsible for production, I had my own kind of eureka moment relative to quality and the importance of quality to the customer. Obviously, as a young person trying to manufacture product and get production out, I pushed production pretty hard. And I saw we were making some product that had some aesthetic issues to it, fabrics for truck tarps. It wasn't that the product wouldn't perform. It just, you know, it had some weaving defects and uh, I didn't think that was any great issue because it would still perform. We were shipping 
fabric to one of our really large customers. He had 10% of our business at the time. And the customers started issuing some complaints through our salespeople and that, you know, reached my father who was living in Florida at the time, but would come back to Ohio from time to time to catch up on things. When he came back, he said, well, you know, this customer is complaining about quality. I think we should go down and visit with him. And I said, that's fine. He called the customer and the customer said, Norm, there's no reason to come down. I've already given all my business to your competitor. And when my dad told me that, that was obviously very heartbreaking to me. This customer represented 10% of our business. Uh, but it was a it was a good lesson for me to learn because what I learned is that quality was not what I thought good quality was. It really was in the eye of the beholder. It was in the eye of the customer. So despite what you think the quality is, you need to understand what the cost of customer's perception of quality is for both the quality of the product and the quality of the service you're providing. So that's why we have, we call it customer-focused quality. Very early on, Richard realized a linchpin to making customer-focused quality run efficiently was making sure that his entire workforce was aligned with the same vision. The next kind of major thing that got our attention around quality was at a point in time when we were expanding pretty rapidly, we actually built a new plant uh, to move our equipment and our employees from uh, Millersburg, Ohio, about 20 miles north. And we invested in a new facility, some new equipment. We thought our employees would really you know, be grateful for this and that quality would be better than what it had been in the old facility. Well, what we found was that after about six months, we were not getting the production results we wanted. Our quality was worse than it had been before. And our associates who, you know, we had made all this investment in new plant and equipment for them, uh, decided they wanted to join a union. This was a real wake up call for me to hear why this happened. And basically there was a union campaign going on. I spent a lot of time talking to our associates, trying to understand why they were dissatisfied. My takeaway from it was that you can't just invest in in your plant, in your property, in your equipment. You also have to invest in your employees, your associates. They had a lot of ideas that were not being heard. They didn't understand exactly what we were trying to do. So again, in talking with them, fortunately, I was able to regain their trust and they supported the company versus the union. But very quickly, I decided I've got to find some way to provide more support and invest more in our human capital versus just our um, hard assets that we had. So I started doing some research. And at that time, this is in the middle eighties, Dr. Deming uh, was, kind of the guru of quality. He had gone over to Japan and really taught the Japanese uh, how to improve quality. And then we found it in the automobile equipment that they were sending over your Hondas and your Toyotas. The qualities was so much better than what we were manufacturing in this country. Those principles then came over to this country and we started adopting them in the automobile industry in other ways. 
We didn't fully understand that yet in our company, but we started to do the research and found a consultant that would help us do that. And this was a consulting company, the owner of which had been taught by Deming. And his company was one of the few that were sanctioned by Deming to teach his principles. This required a very, very strong commitment on the part of our company because everybody in the company from senior management to middle management to every hourly employee had to go through at least two days of training. In some cases, it was five days of training. Uh, as you might imagine, again, at that time, just to spend that amount of money with a consulting company to train all of our associates uh, was, again, a major commitment, but I saw it as an investment in our people. What we learned from that was that we had to have a different management style, and that was that uh, if we had issues or problems within our business, we couldn't dictate to our employees, this is what you should do. What we had to do is involve the employees in evaluating the problem and getting their ideas and their suggestions around what the solutions would be. And quite frankly, most of the time, they knew what the problems were and they knew what the solutions were better than what the supervisors did because they were living with it day to day. So tapping into those employees was, again, a great resource for ideas. And when you asked your employees to help you resolve problems or solve problems, they're going to embrace those solutions. Even if it's not their particular solution, at least they know they've been heard and they're going to embrace those solutions. I think the overall concept you have to think about here is that employees recognize and the company recognizes we're all trying to get the same thing done. And that is that we have to supply cost-effectively good quality products and good quality service. Everybody has the same vested interest. Now, how do you tap into that and get alignment around what those issues are and what some of the resolutions are to those issues? But that's an important part of any quality initiative program within a company. Is, is being able to tap into the thoughts and ideas and get the engagement of all of your employees. One associate who has firsthand experience with Seaman Corporation's customers and has been a consummate student in what their customers truly want is the vice president and general manager of their fiber-tight roof systems, Scott Gibson. So I've been here since 2016 uh, after a long career in um, and uh, similar industries to uh, uh, engineered coated fabrics in the automotive industry came here uh, to uh, actually um, take over and lead the fiber type business through a period of uh, expected growth and, and put a, a different type of commercial organization together to go and achieve that, which we've done extensively. And it, it really involved uh, getting to spend more time with uh, customers up the quote unquote food chain and spending time with business owners that actually became the uh, the most important person in the decision-making tree about roof systems themselves. So uh, we've advanced our, our quality and product performance narrative to the levels of um, what we call powerful global brands like Apple, Intel, Amazon, Google, Tyson Foods, General Motors. So, uh, you know, we... As part of this whole customer-focused quality, um, we found that the best way to um, to contribute to that is to get uh, FaceTime with the people that really care 
the most about the performance of what that uh, roof does to the building. Fibertite is one of many product lines at Siemens Corporation, but their line's specific examples really hone in on the principles Siemens employs to be the best at what they do globally. They want to be bold and take hold of markets as the best of the best. Fibertite is a wonderful example of this. You know, training and education uh, was important for our for our existing current sales team. So in order to get different results, we had to offer, offer them also different levels of, of training. And so we, uh, we had actually developed a series of uh, boot camps where we would take our salespeople really literally through roof management 101, all the way down to some of the basic, uh, you know, design systems and criteria and components of a roof, uh, not overlooking anything. We equated that to kind of like spring training in baseball where these veterans really know the game of baseball, but every spring they still go down and, you know, uh, and do the basics of, uh, of what it takes to be successful as an individual and as a team. Uh, and those were really successful and, and helped us, I think, establish a good foundation for people, a core set of people to really go and demonstrate that it can be done and the rewards that if it was done correctly. And then there was, there was some of those early adopters on the owner's side, uh, companies like Google, that really understood the value proposition of um, not just what a better roof system means in terms of um, quality, but also the inherent risks that could happen to their building if they didn't go this way. What was born out of that was our kind of tagline around FiberTight providing operational security for the world's most powerful brands. And uh, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty bold quality statement that says, you know, we're not really here just to supply you with a roof. We're here to really supply you with uh, the assurance of, uh, of, a, of a roof system that's going to protect the people and the assets that are underneath it to the extent that, uh, that you need them to. Building some of those wins early on uh, were really important to, to, to show examples to the rest of the, of the team uh, what can be done and how rewarding that is. Uh, and, and, you know, we also um, were aware that a lot of these owners were multinational companies. So people like Apple that we had done work in the U.S., uh, when they built a data center over in China, said, hey, um, we want FiberTight to come along with us. So we also had to expand and grow our level of quality thinking around what's it going to take from an installation and design an execution standpoint to be able to provide the same level of quality assurance on an installation for Apple in China as it would be in Mesa, Arizona. So, you know, that that paradigm then also began to open the aperture of, of what of how we view the world in terms of um, of supplying roofing membrane. And that's led to business in China, Australia, New Zealand, South America, Europe, uh, and elsewhere. We're looking to do more and expand the pie in the, in the field of play where we contribute, quite frankly. Um, and we've earned, I think, the trust of, uh, of a lot of really, you know, um, well-recognized brand names. And, uh, and, and that, that, quite frankly, doesn't just come because of the quality of the product. There's also a huge responsibility on our part as a company to provide the same level of quality on service uh, and I don't mean just how we answer the phone, you know, when they call us, uh, but it's the, it's the reliability to make sure products get there on time 
and complete uh, when we said they were going to do it. There's a lot of details on construction management programs that we're now learning more about as we get closer to the end user that, uh, that we have to take um, accountability and, re and responsibility for to make sure that the, that the same level of uh, quality expectations on the product is, is manifest in logistics and service and uh, who we choose to work with in terms of installation and training and the whole, you know, the whole 360 degree view of that customer relationship. As you heard Scott mention, Seaman Corporation has been dedicated to benchmarking other companies in every area so they can continue to stay competitive. Richard and his associates have always wanted their company to be the greatest in many categories. Because of this, they looked at various sets of standards that led to commerce awards companies can attain because of their competitive advantage. Richard was dedicated not to winning an award, but to perfecting the standards that would define Seaman Corporation as a great company by U.S. and global standards. While we were going through that process of, of trying to improve the quality and institutionalize a quality philosophy and culture in our company that could be built on the foundation blocks I talked about earlier, we did do a lot of benchmarking. Uh, again, with the Deming influence in the United States, uh, there was a lot of strong focus on, on quality. We benchmarked the Millican Company, uh, which was a large weaving company. We benchmarked a company out in California, the New United Motors, which was a combination of General Motors and Toyota and the Toyota principles, Lean Sigma principles that they had. The company or the country, the United States under the Department of Commerce was creating an award for companies that had really good quality. And the award was called the Malcolm Baldrige Award. They would give six or seven companies a year, this particular award. And there was a major set of criteria that each company would have to showcase or show that they had had, had institutionalized this in their business. Uh, seven basic principles that were there. Well, we looked at those very, very closely. We didn't necessarily try to win or apply for the Malcolm Baldrige Award, but we wanted to benchmark it and see what worked out well there. We were fortunate that companies that were given that award were asked to showcase what they did and, and bring other companies in to show how they were achieving their quality results. That assisted us in our benchmarking process, and, and that was one of the main reasons we, we were able to get into Melican and into this NUMI program. We benchmarked Apple and uh, Honeywell um, and Hewlett-Packard as we were going through this process. What I found early on as we were doing this and showcasing these different programs uh, to our associates is that all of our associates, or many of our associates, and including our managers, we're confused about what we're doing. Are we doing Deming this week? Are we doing Crosby this week? Are we doing Millican this week? You know, what is this? From my perspective, you know, I had a pretty good idea and saw how all this aligned, but I soon realized that it was somewhat confusing to our employees and our, our leadership. I made the decision to go off on a kind of a personal mini retreat and digest all this and try to come up with what's the best of all these things that really apply to us and author our own quality initiative set of standards, if you will. That was the what we ultimately started calling the care process. We came up with seven principles 
that were very, very similar to the principles of the Malcolm Baldrige Award. These principles included leadership, 100% total customer satisfaction, quality, strategic quality planning, human resource planning, quality assurance of 100% total customer satisfaction, and systems and measurements, the metrics that would make sure that this happened. We also decided to identify it by a name, and, and the name we came up with was the CARE process, C-A-R-E. We selected that because on an external basis, CARE can stand for customers are the reasons for excellence. And then internally, it means competitive advantage requires excellence. So once we showcased and, and presented the CARE process and what the principles were, CARE became the acronym that we could speak within our whole organization and all of our associates would understand what we were talking about, the focus that we would have on uh, customer focus quality primarily at that point. So that's how we took all of the programs that we had benchmarked and tried to distill them down into a program that meant something to Seaman Corporation and that could be institutionalized with it within the organization um, and be sustainable. I'd like to mention the fact that one of the things I did that really assured institutionalizing it and, and getting everybody on board with it was that we decided to showcase the care process to our customers. And the idea was to have customers come in for a plant visit and show them what we were doing from a quality standpoint. I would actually do most of the presentations early on at that time. And I'd also have our managers uh, in with our customers. It was interesting because our salespeople at first didn't think it was a good idea. They thought if we bring customers in, they're just going to try to twist my arm to get better pricing on things. What it turned out was that when we brought customers in and they saw how we were doing our quality processes, our care process, they were just as impressed from a benchmarking perspective as we were when we had done the benchmarking with other companies, the Malcolm Baldridge Award winners, for example. And they were more interested in how could they take what we were doing and begin to apply it in their own companies. And you know, the issue of concern around pricing didn't even come up because they could see what they were buying from us was not just a piece of fabric, but a, 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 an organization and a process that was really, really focused on quality at that point. The managers that we had would hear me say, this is the way we're gonna operate. So they obviously were motivated <laughs> to operate that way in front of customers. So that, that helped us institutionalize the process within the organization. These quality initiatives have to be led from the top down. The CEO must show everyone their dedication to this, not merely say they are dedicated to it. When this happens, the associates will adopt the same mindset. When we come back, we will talk about how Seaman Corporation's dedication to customer-focused quality is an ongoing, daily process they continue to perfect. We will also get to meet someone who has helped them craft this process for nearly two decades. Established in 1949 and now headquartered in Wooster, Ohio, with additional manufacturing in Bristol, Tennessee, Seaman Corporation is known worldwide for the production of high-value, high-performance fabrics. Among some of the applications, Seaman Corporation fabrics are used for geomembrane liners, 
architectural structures, truck tarps, roofing membranes, and applications for the military and government. With the combination of a unique, puncture-resistant fabric construction with a commitment to superior customer service and satisfaction, Seaman Corporation fabrics exhibit incomparable product performance. Being a part of the Seaman team not only puts you on the forefront of industrial fabric innovation, but also affords some wonderful benefits, all housed within a family atmosphere. If this sounds like a place you need to be, visit SeamanCorp.com slash join dash our dash team. We have been chatting with the chairman of Seaman Corporation, Richard Seaman, and Seaman Corporation's vice president and general manager of FiberTight Roof Systems, Scott Gibson. Seaman Corporation has made a very specific commitment to customer-focused quality that was born out of some difficult lessons both Richard and his father learned while running the business. We talked about the processes that were put in place to align the associates and be sure Seaman Corporation is delivering the best quality of their products that you can find anywhere in the world. The FiberTight Roof Systems line of products is a perfect example of this. And while it may seem that such dedication to what they now call the care process must have led to perfection, Richard knows this process is never ending for them. They would go on to make a massive commitment to implementing Lean Sigma principles in the company. Lean Sigma is a combination of two popular process improvement methods, Lean and Six Sigma, that pave the way for operational excellence. These time-tested approaches provide organizations with a clear path to achieving their missions as fast and effectively as possible. We had done the care process for a number of years and really felt that it was institutionalized. We still weren't getting the kind of results we wanted to get in our production quality. And um, we were getting like 92% first-run yield which was pretty good. It was much better than obviously what we were achieving before we started the care process, but it was not world-class. If you get 92 or 93%, that means that you still are having seven or 8% of your production. That's not first quality. It's, it's off grade. And as your business grows, uh, seven or 8% scrap or just even seconds, something that's not first quality, it's pretty expensive. I mean, it just robs from your bottom line. So I tasked our management team at that point to start evaluating other situations, do some benchmarking again, and find out what processes are most effective at trying to improve that first run yield number, regardless of what your product or service is. And I wanted to have my senior managers do this evaluation and come back with a recommendation because I didn't want it to appear as though this is just another program from the man whose name is on the door, from the CEO of the company. So that they did the research and they they came to me with two things. One was that Lean Sigma was probably the process that was getting the best results, the principles of Lean Sigma. We also wanted to look for a consultant. So they had done a lot of evaluation about different consultants out there that were assisting, particularly manufacturing plants, on how to understand Lean Sigma, adapt it, and institutionalize, institutionalize it in your business. The company that we hired was a company called 
TBM, time-based management. And there were a number of attributes to this consulting company based on the way in which they approached the engagement of the Lean Sigma principles. One of them was that they would not go to work for a company if there would be layoffs as a result of the productivity improvements that were made. They, you had to make a commitment to them that you were that people would not lose their jobs because of these improvements that would be made. The second thing that was impressive to me is that when they would do a Lean Sigma event, do this Lean event, you would identify a problem. You would then identify the team of people that were involved in working on this problem every day, and you'd bring together a team of people to do a Lean event. They would start on Monday by identifying the problem, identifying the components of the process. By Wednesday, they start talking about, well, what kind of improvements might we have that could could change the problem? And then instead of just coming back a few weeks later to say whether we did it, these consultants said, okay, we've got to implement it now. And by Friday, we want to see these results. So you would start on Monday with an identification of a problem. And then by Friday, you'd see solutions. So all of the people that were participating in it could see the results they were getting almost immediately. And once we started doing that, uh, we were getting a lot of people who wanted to be involved in this kind of process. It, again, was a very major investment on the part of training our people into what the processes were. We actually spent time training all of our associates in these principles before we started applying the principles. And then we invested in applying the principles. Over time, we were doing um, a lean event um, like two a month, at one at each of our manufacturing plants. And then we moved on to applying lean events to processes like our accounts payable or our accounts receivable. Uh, how, do you, how do you improve those processes, not just make a better product at that point? We started this in like 2005, and we continue to do this work today with the same company, TBM. In fact, just the other day, we were finishing up with an annual audit of how well our Lean Sigma programs were working, were we sustaining our gains, and where can we find areas to attack for further improvements? Because one of the underlying principles is never-ending improvement. So that was, a, again, a major part of our quality initiative process that by addressing these first run yield issues in combination with other process improvements in terms of taking waste out of the process, time waste or product waste, uh, we not only increase the quality of the product, reduce our costs, but we significantly increased our capability which allowed us to be more flexible with our customers, be more flexible with our operation, and literally increase the capacity of the company. TBM would help increase the capacity of the company from the very beginning, and their training and commitment to Lean Sigma continues even to this day. Hi, I'm Jonathan Wheatley with TBM Consulting Group. I've been working with TBM for about 18 years now and had the pleasure of working with uh, Richard Seaman uh, going back to the very beginning in 2006. Uh, so I've been had that opportunity from the beginning of their journey on Lean Sigma up to the present time. TBM, which is a time-based uh, 
Management Consulting Group. Uh, been in business nearly 30 years now, but what we do is we help our clients discover what they can do uh, by utilizing the uh, approach of both the lean, which gives you the speed of the change and the improvement, uh, getting rapid results, but also the uh, utilization of Six Sigma tools to reduce variation, to help them really understand uh, where their opportunities are. And we do it, uh, the way we used to say this is TBM, we do it with you. We don't do it to you and we don't do it for you. Uh, so it's about really partnering with a client and helping them discover uh, what their potential is and help use, using a structured approach to really discover and bring out the best of their people, the best of their process and not waiting until they get a perfect solution. Uh, so that's what we think of when we engage with clients. It's, it's all about continuous improvement, not delayed perfection. And when you start thinking things that way and harnessing the strength of your employees, you're able to discover many things and implement great improvements TBM wants to see a long-term cultural change in a company, and this was exactly what Siemens Corporation was looking for back when they partnered with TBM. This partnership was a match made in heaven because TBM understood and championed Richard's commitment to his associates and their opinions. Engaging the employees, and that was one of the principles of uh, the Richard Seaman has. It's about human capital. It's about the individuals. It's about the growth of the individual team member within a company. So you want to harness that knowledge and give the voice uh, to the process, the voice of the human capital, the people have to deal with it every day. They're the experts. TBM, we're not the experts around their process. We're the, we can bring something to the table, which is basically we call fresh eyes. Uh, so being very objective and challenging what is going on? Why is that acceptable? Where does that process come from? Where does that material come from? Where does it go? How do we understand? Is it acceptable? Uh, the other piece that we want to think about, and this is right in line with uh, Seaman Corporation's care principles, is the customer is always right. The customer is first. You put the customer first, that helps negate a lot of the silly stuff that happens in a business. If we focus on the customer, then all of our kind of petty things are set aside and we can truly be successful as a business to help that customer because without the customer, we don't have a future. So it's very customer-centric and focused on helping them, the customer, be successful and making sure all of our employees and that's our role as consultants is helping them be able to harness the strength of the individual and come up with a process that is capable and sustainable. So it's about sustainment. Anybody can make an improvement very quickly, but it takes discipline, rigor, attention to detail to be able to sustain that said improvement. We are 18 years into this engagement, which is phenomenal. Uh, but they still see the value being a family business, as Seaman Corporation is, 
they still see the value of having uh, subject matter experts uh, discuss things with them, challenge things that may they may be doing, and make sure, kind of like a lean conscience, if you will, uh, to all things related to the manufacturing and business processes. So that's what we can kind of bring to the party to help the client. Particularly important if you want to be a multi-generational company, because the competitive marketplace is changing so much. The global competitiveness that's out there is changing so much. Um, if you're going to adapt to those changes, you have to have a process that evaluates how you're going to execute things. You have to have a process that engages your associates so they're aware of what these changes are and why you're doing what you're doing and get their input on, on how you make these changes. So that in the end, as you're changing what you're providing to your customer base, you're giving them the very best quality, the very best service in the most economical cost that you can do that to remain competitive and stay ahead of your competition. If the people that we hire and the culture that we bring doesn't reflect that same level of quality, then it doesn't all hold together. And uh, I think that's what's been able to really make this legacy work. And quite frankly, it, it, it doesn't happen just by accident and it doesn't happen without, you know, Dick and Judy and the family making sure that as we grow, we don't grow bigger than our bridges. There's a level of knowing who we are and why we're here and, you know, so, it's been, yeah, it's just, it's been a real treat being part of this. Seaman Corporation's commitment to quality reverberates through their employees, their product lines, and can be seen in every external relationship they have made. No wonder they are considered a powerhouse in their field, both nationally and globally. Join us next time as we talk about strategic imperative and how continual reinvestment has shaped Seaman Corporation. Until then, I am your host for this episode, Crystal Ribble. Thanks for joining me. This podcast is a small snippet of the great information housed inside of Richard Seaman's book, A Vibrant Vision, The Entrepreneurship of Multi-Generational Family Business. To have a vision of growing a small family business into a sustainable multi-million dollar business requires distinctive processes that support innovation, human capital development, strategic planning, and quality assurance in manufacturing and service. A Vibrant Vision shares the experiences of the author in his growing family business after his father passed away at a young age and building this industrial fabrics business into a multi-million dollar company, while at the same time encouraging his children and grandchildren to become stewards of this treasure we call a family business. To get your own copy of this book, visit Amazon.com.